Alright everyone, hello and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Uh, thank you, however you have found us, be that Apple Podcasts, uh, Transistor, Stitcher, Google Play, I don't know if we're on iHeartRadio or not, we might be, uh, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, I don't care how you found us. I really don't. I care that you listen, so thank you very much. Please, if you could interact with the product a little bit, just a little, give us a review if that's applicable. If you're doing something like the YouTube thing where you've got, hey, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, come on, we deserve a thumbs up here. Uh, if you have more nuance to your ability to <laughs> rate us, then feel free to express it as such. So if you have your choice of, you know, five stars, and eh, you know, whatever you think it's worth. I defer to your personal experience as far as what you like. Right, on the agenda this evening, we have a review of last night, UFC on ESPN Plus 25. History was made, I tell you. It was. Not in a good way, though. A preview of UFC on ESPN Plus 26, which will take place next week, and has a really, really good main event. And news of the week, such as it was, was a pretty light news week, all things considered. So let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into the event from yesterday. All right, uh, UFC and ESPN plus twenty-five main event: Jan Blahovich defeated Corey Anderson via knockout, uh, three oh eight of the first round. I've got to say, thank heavens for that. Uh, just I'm gonna get into some of the details of the rest of these fights very briefly because some of them were just bleh. But the main card. All six fights of it. Looks like this. Blahovich and Anderson, KO first round. Co-main event, DQ 309 of the third round. Fight before that, decision. Fight before that, DQ in the first round, 402. Fight before that, decision. Fight before that, decision. In fact, if you go all the way down this card, continuing, there was a second round finish, a third round finish, Decision, 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 and a knockout. So, of the... How many fights were on this card? 12 or 13? 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, yeah. 13 fights. We had 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. We had 7 decisions. And we had... Uh, yeah, th this was a rough night. I mean, anyone who saw this card on paper went, oh, that's going to be rough. It was rough. And the main event started pretty much at, like, the six-hour mark. Uh, this thing started, again, about three three my time, so right about nine. Anderson and Blahovich get the introductions. They're ready to get going. And somewhere in the back of my head was, this is going to go all three, all five rounds, and I'm not going to be conscious. Turned out it only went three minutes, and uh, it was Anderson who lost consciousness, not me. Jan Blahovich has made some really, really interesting strides over his career recently. At the finish, Corey Anderson did a couple of things that you never really want to do. First, he throws a naked leg kick, by which I mean he didn't really set it up. Now, you can set it up with fakes and feints and whatnot, but... 
Blahovich stopped biting on Anderson's uh, like head fakes very early. Then Anderson kind of again he kind of fakes to set up the leg kick, but his fakes aren't working at this point. Throws the naked leg kick, and then drops his left hand as he does so. I'm not trying to. Anytime I I'm always kind of worried about if you follow me on Twitter or whatnot when I. When I post like some loose commentary over clips of finishes or big moments or whatnot, I want to make it clear I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. Fighting, especially mixed martial arts, is very, very complex. It's extraordinarily difficult. Corey Anderson has achieved more in terms of fighting and athletics than, you know, the vast majority of the human population will. Okay? Not throwing him under the bus. That said... You throw a naked leg kick, that's a dangerous thing. You drop your hands when you do it, that's an even worse thing. This is compounded by the fact that Blahovich seems to have a feel for the timing, or, I mean, enough to make this work. He lands a right hook, right to the jaw. Corey Anderson drops. Really what I appreciate about this sequence from Blahovich is not just the right, but he's throwing a left hook behind it in case that punch doesn't do what it did. He's, he's still got other weapons there. Anderson drops, one more hammer fist from Blahovich, and he goes limp. That's it. For as long as it lasted, eh, it was okay. Um, I need to give credit to Blahovich here. The man's on a really good... I mean, first of all, if you watch some of his earlier fights in the UFC, if you watch, like, his first two or three... When he's, you know, fighting Ilir Latifi and Jimmy Manoa. Uh, to the guy he is now, there's not a lot of similarity. He has dramatically improved his skill set. He is also 7-1 and one in his last eight. And that one loss is to Tiago Santos, who went on to fight for the belt. He's finished two of his last three opponents, both of them via knockout. And... As soon as he got that stoppage, he moved over to the side of the cage, stared through it at John Jones, who was sitting uh, front row for this event. And they had a little, you know, like, stare-down moment. Nothing, there was no animus, you know, but they were both animated, both kind of playing at each other. On the post-fight interview, he says, no, you know, I don't want to talk about what happened before. I want to talk about my next opponent, which should be the champion. He's right here. Blahovich did everything he possibly could to secure himself that title shot. Emphatic finish early in a fight over a ranked surging opponent who had beaten him before. Uh, very, you know, photogenic uh, video uh, style of, you know, interaction with the champion who's cage side. Makes the case for himself on the mic. Like, there's nothing that man could do. There's nothing else that man could have done. Now it's just kind of waiting to see how things play out. Uh, He did everything he could. Everything else is now out of his hands. Uh, There's still the crowd that is interested in a Dominic Reyes rematch. Which, again, they could easily do. Uh, For what it's worth, Jeff, uh, who's not here this evening, obviously I would have introduced him by this point, Jeff's of the opinion that they should go with Blahovich versus Jones. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't think you can really go wrong with that, with either of them. If you do a rematch with Reyes, it's a rematch of probably the 
toughest fight of John's certainly recent career. And the only fight I... That is probably the only fight there seems to be a majority consensus that he should have lost. I know after the Gustafson fight, a lot of people were, you know, crying. Um, No, I know after the Santos fight, a lot of people were just kind of... I, I maintain that with the Santos fight... There's a lot of him performing above expectations and John kind of fighting very safe that leads you into a misread of how that fight goes. If you go with Blahovich, you give Reyes a rebound fight. I'm not saying an easy fight, but you throw him in there with somebody else kind of near the top of the division. Light heavyweight's not a good division. You throw him in there with someone else, he'll probably win. And you can then use that to kind of springboard into a Jones rematch, assuming Jones beats Blahovich. And I tend to favor John pretty heavily over Blahovich. Blahovich has power, but if you look at kind of where he's able to find guys, how he gets tentative on occasion, I, again, John's eventually going to lose, especially if he maintains the pace he's fighting at. And Blahovich is not a chump. But stylistically, I favor Jones pretty heavily in that fight. Uh, as for Corey Anderson, you know, he's young. He's really young, actually. He's like, what? Oh, he's 30, okay. Uh, but fairly young 30, actually. His uh, birthday is September. So he's still got time to, you know, turn things around. This, I mean, this whole today five, four-fight winning streak, I mean, sure, nobody cared. I mean, I watched I watched all of those fights that he'd won, Cummins, Teixeira, uh, Latifi, and Walker. And, yeah, I barely cared. But he was on that streak, and had he won here, you probably would have got him versus John. Uh, you could do him and Reyes if you wanted to kill one of them off for the foreseeable future. If you're not, if you're not afraid of that as kind of an outcome. Uh, who else do we have in the rankings? If you want to give, uh, I don't want to say a, I don't want to say you give him a soft, ch- a soft touch. But if you wanted to give him, uh, who's Anderson not fought? That's kind of the, that's kind of the question at hand. You could do him and Uzdemir. Uh, Uzdemir had uh, that you know fairly significant win in his last fight when he derailed uh, Rakic. You, know, you could go further down. Uh, you could do Rakic actually, which would be a tough test for Rakic. But uh, why is Gustafsson still ranked? You guys, he retired. Move on. Why is Cormier ranked? He's not fighting at light heavyweight. Morons. Who's doing these rankings? A bunch of brain-dead holdovers. Ugh. Uh, you could do Serkinov and Anderson. That'd be way down in the rankings for Anderson, though. Uh, it, Anderson's fought a fair number of guys on his way up, so if you're looking for non-rematches, the pickings are a little slim. Again, you could you could also do Anderson and Reyes. Uh, Tiago Smith. Santos is out for a while. Smith is fighting soon. Um, was he fighting Teixeira? I think they had announced that fight for the uh, upcoming card. They're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, he's in the main event, so April 25th. 
Anthony Smith is fighting. And the winner of Smith and Teixeira is a consideration, if nothing else. Not for the title, but, you know, for what these guys are doing going forward. Uh, Much-needed win for Blahovich. Uh, Much-needed finish on this card. This this card was every bit as bad in practice as you were kind of worried it was on paper. It It may not have manifested itself the same way, but oof, it was rough. So if Blahovich gets the next title shot, uh, good on him. Again, I don't favor him, but he's a rugged, powerful guy, good at grappling. Uh, he's not got, you know, I wouldn't say he's got you know as good a chance as anyone. He doesn't, but he's certainly got a better than average chance probably at uh, taking out John at this point, so. That was your main event. Your co-main event, Diego Sanchez and Michelle Pereja. Good lord, this fight. This is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Um, Diego Sanchez wins via disqualification after Pereja landed an illegal knee at 3.09 of the third round. Okay, let's do a couple of things here. Setting aside, I'm going to say a few things after the fact. Just in terms of the fight, Diego Sanchez is a terrible fighter at this point in time. Now, that was not always the case. Diego Sanchez used to be a really tough out. I mean, the man fought for the title, and in all fairness, had probably earned that shot. I mean, sure, he got thoroughly outclassed by BJ Penn, but that was BJ Penn in his prime. He did that to just about everybody. But in, you know, last year, this year, uh uh-uh. He is not a UFC-caliber fighter. He spent almost all of this fight backing up, circling along the fence. Anytime he wanted to come forward, he almost would, like, square up into a sprinter stance and kind of, like, come forward. It was... the Pereja only hit him once off of it, but it was a good ride, and Sanchez immediately, like, staggered backwards. Uh, Sanchez is still with that snake oil salesman as his only corner man. Uh... This was not a competitive fight. Pereja just smashed him all throughout the entire fight. Then, hurts him to the body in the third round, badly. Sanchez crumples under a barrage of knees against the fence, down to his, you know, knees in his seat. And then Pereja knees him in the head. And... That's all she wrote. Now... Let me start... Let me Again, let's do a couple of things about this ending here. Uh, I've seen some people question why this wasn't a no contest instead of a disqualification. It's a fair question. And I think it largely is going to come down to, like, the referee's discretion. Which I hate, but I think that's kind of the deciding thing. If you look at... And, there's again, there's a little bit of context here about this. If you look at another example of an illegal knee ending a fight... Uh, the first fight between Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez lands that illegal knee. Poirier can't continue. No contest. The opinion of the official in that fight, I believe it was Herb Dean, don't quote me. I believe it was Herb. Was that given the relative body positions, Eddie Alvarez could not really have known that Poirier was down on a knee. So he gave him the benefit of the doubt. In this case, Pereja was still holding a uh, a double collar tie. Uh, 
you know, uh, if you, uh, bleh, I can speak. Some people refer to it as the tie clinch, uh, which, again, if you're a wrestler, it's a double collar tie. If you're, uh, and so I, I kind of go back and forth, but they're the same thing essentially. He was holding that the whole time, so he knows how low Sanchez is to the ground, and he knows a bit of the posture. Referee not giving Pereja the benefit of the doubt about how about could he have reasonably known whether or not you know Sanchez was down. He fairly clearly knew. Now, there's been a little bit of discussion about did he throw the knee as Sanchez was falling and then they just landed when he was down. Uh, the replay did not show that to me, but I haven't had a chance to go back over it in tremendous detail yet. Uh, Sanchez popped right back up. And this is what here's a few of the things that have rubbed people the wrong way. So, again, a couple of things. One, there's not really a consistent enforcement of the rules or enforcement of the decisions about whether or not this would be a no contest or a disqualification. I agree with that complaint. It's a valid one. Uh, I don't know. It. I would love more consistency, but the rules as they are currently set up allow for a fair bit of latitude, and when you allow for a fair bit of latitude, you get inconsistency. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, Sanchez got up and was kind of talking to the ref and seemingly lobbying for a DQ if he couldn't continue. Now, credit to the ref who did not say if you got, if you can't continue, it will be a disqualification. He said you were fouled. And I mean, if you get kneed in the head like that, the referee just saying that is not that's not an indicator of what his ruling will be. It's just to kind of inform the fighter of what's happened because you're probably a little bit dazed. So, so you were, you were fouled. You've got a bit of time. The doctor's checking on you. Can you continue? If the doc- And the doctor had no issue with him continuing from a purely medical perspective. The cut that this opened up was high enough up on the hairline. And Sanchez, again, kind of like lobbies for, he's going to get disqualified, Right. And the ref, and again, to Jason Herzog, who I believe was the official here, to his credit, he said, I'm I'm going to talk it over with the commissioners if he can't continue. This is just about whether or not you can continue the fight. Uh, Sanchez, I'm, uh, here's my perspective. He wanted out of that fight. He'd wanted out of that fight for about four minutes. He was getting just abused. He wanted out. I don't mean to say that this man is a quitter, okay? this is Diego Sanchez has been in the UFC for like, 15 years. He's fought at an incredibly high level. If we're talking about like the uh, some kind of like personality judgment, is he a quitter? The answer is no. Did he want out of this fight in particular? I yes. That is my stance. He absolutely wanted out. And unfortunately, the out Pereja gave him was via an illegal strike. Utterly unnecessary, a little more self-control from Pereja, and he would have won. Like, if all he does, instead of landing knees, is let go with his right hand and just throw punches into the face, that fight's done. The ref just waves it off. He was about to stop it. Uh, So, Sanchez kind of lobbying for the DQ, has rubbed some people the wrong way. Uh, Look, my thought is, if you're fouled, in a fight and you don't want to continue, I am not going to throw too many stones your way. 
because again, I I can say the I think the man wanted out because I think he did. He also got fouled pretty badly, and if you can't continue after a foul, don't. That is your prerogative. That is your body. That is your health. That is. I again, I'm not casting stones at the guy for saying he was done after taking a foul. I'm not. I, I I'm a little bit dubious about a guy who was then going. Yeah, I'm gonna win, right? Like, if the referee had dis- had definitively said, you know, it'll be a no contest. Do you think Sanchez's answer is different? Maybe it's not. All right, maybe his stance is still, no, I'm done. And, again, you got kneed in the head when you were downed. If you're done, you're done, man. That's fine. No uh, I, no stones being thrown. But uh, the fact that, uh, I, and this has been discussed a little bit as well, the fact that the pay structure in MMA actively incentivizes that decision from Sanchez. Like, his win bonus was, I think, something like $100,000. I don't know. I forget his exact pay structure, so forgive me, but something to that effect. So if the referee's sitting there talking to you and somewhere in the back of your head is, okay, if I'm done and this is a no contest, I make X. If I'm done and this is a DQ and I win, I make double X. Are we going to, I mean, are we seriously going to pretend that that doesn't factor into the decision-making here? I I don't think you can I, I don't think you can pretend that it doesn't. Now, how high on the priority tree is it? Probably varies from circumstance to circumstance. So, Sanchez wins via disqualification after getting just smashed into oblivion. Uh, Trevor Whitman, who was in and out of commentary, said that this was a hard fight to watch in some respects, and he's not wrong. Um. There's serious questions about whether or not Diego Sanchez should be fighting at all, much less in the UFC. And everyone going, but he's on a three-fight winning streak. A, he this one was via DQ. He got smashed in this fight. Uh, the Mickey Gall fight, Mickey Gall's a novelty act, more than anything else. So he's not on a three-fight winning streak. He is 3-1 and one in his last four. And then there was the Craig White fight, where Craig White knocked him out with up kicks a couple of times. Rewatch that fight as he's standing over White's guard. White hits a couple of up kicks as Sanchez is coming down, and he lands limp. He just recollects himself before the ref notices. And Craig White, he's his only wins are over guys who are <laughs> okay. Uh, for the record, whoever has edited Diego Sanchez's Wikipedia at the moment has just got a laugh out of me. He is listed as winning the Michelle Perea fight via DQ, then in parentheses the methodology, quitting. Uh, again, I don't think that's accurate, but I can appreciate... Uh, thank you for the chuckle, whoever did that, if you happen to be listening. <laughs> again, not accurate, but funny. Um, you know what... Diego Sanchez, okay, this, the following that I'm about to say is slightly hyperbolic, but Diego Sanchez pretty clearly, like, wants to die in the cage, so why don't, why, so let's just do it. Throw him in there with someone like, who's a top-level welterweight. 
throw him in there with Jorge Masvidal or Leon Edwards, and let's just be done with this. Bear in mind, I don't think if I'm a regulator and the UFC comes to me and says, we want Diego Sanchez to fight Colby Covington, please sanction this fight. I would not. (laughs) But let's not pretend that, you know, regulatory bodies actually take stances like that all that often. Again, we want to, this guy wants to just, okay, you know what? Here we go. We don't even have to go like top five for Sanchez. Let's throw him in there with number 10, and let's get Sanchez versus Robbie Lawler. And let's just be done with this. Because Robbie Lawler will end that man's world. Uh, I know Conor McGregor at the end of the, during this was tweeting out like he wants to fight Sanchez, which is just the dumbest thing. Like, really, Conor? Uh, I mean, Conor would smoke him. Conor would just smoke him. Wouldn't even be close. But if I'm really a little bit sick of this kind of coddling along of fighters who shouldn't be in the UFC because the UFC has some sort of nostalgic attachment to them. Some people in the brass do. Diego Sanchez wants to stick around. He's His last few fights he's fought... Okay, Pereja's a little bit iffy. We're not sure how far he is on the gimmick scale. His one legitimate opponent was Michael Chiesa, who dominated him. We want to do something stupid like this again? Throw him in there with Robbie Lawler. And let's just go with sanctioned capitalistic... with a sanctioned capitalistic murder. Doesn't bother... I am prepared to watch that. That might make me sound callous, but I am again, I am really sick of a lot of these guys that the UFC just hangs on to because they ha- because Dana has an emotional attachment. I don't care. This is a brutal business. It is a brutal competition. And pitching softballs to Diego Sanchez whose only corner man is, a, again, a snake oil salesman. So he can get bludgeoned for a long period of time. How about we just do this, throw him in there with Lawler, Lawler kicks him into a coma for about three weeks, and then we can just be done. This this prolonged exploitation is really what's kind of getting at me here. You want to you wanna watch Diego Sanchez fight? Sure. Here's Robbie freaking Lawler. Let's see what happens. Let's. Uh, I mean, if we're going to do stuff like this, uh, let's not be half pregnant, yeah? So, uh, terrible fight anyway. This is one of the worst fights of the year so far. This was just awful. Uh, next up, there was a women's flyweight fight. Montana De La Rosa defeated Mauro Romero Borella via unanimous decision. 30-27 across the boards. Not a good fight. At lightweight, Brock Weaver defeated Kazula Vargas via DQ, illegal knee at 402 of the first. Uh, really unfortunate for Vargas, who had Weaver in a fair bit of trouble. Uh, Weaver was kind of trying to get up and wall walk, and it looks like Vargas was trying to throw this knee to the chest. I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt as far as his targeting goes. I don't think he was aiming for the head. That said, he does hit 
the head. That's clear. And he actually knocks Weaver out for a second or two. Uh, he yeah, Weaver went down, lights on, nobody's home, ref waves it off. You knock someone out with an illegal strike like that? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with this. I was okay with the ruling by the official. If you're going to throw that knee to the chest like that, know that there's risk for you throwing it. And maybe be very, very cautious about throwing it in states that, A, use the old uh, rule system, which New Mexico did, still and does, and especially in a state that does not use instant replay. Because if that lands to the chest and leads to the stoppage and the ref thinks you hit him in the head, there's no set, like, you better hope, you better hope that that ref sees what happened. Uh, because, again, if there's no instant replay, there's there's no hope for you there. I mean, that's not to say that instant replay would have changed this fight. It still would have been what it was, correctly. But, yeah, you you got to be careful with that technique. It's an effective technique. But if you mistime it or if you misjudge the angle, that can cost you big time. Uh, at a catchweight fight, supposed to be flyweight, Ray Borg defeated Rogerio Bontarine via unanimous decision, 230-27s, 130-25. I think I was 30-26. 30-25 seems a bit, especially under the old scoring criteria. I'm, I can't get there. Uh, Ray Borg missed weight again. Uh, this is Borg's fourth time missing weight. Now we're uh, across two weight classes. He has now missed weight three times at flyweight and once up at bantamweight. I don't know what to tell you guys about that. Like, I mean, I, I sp- no, I know what to do. I have to start calling him Fat Ray Borg, because good grief, man, you fat. Uh, I'm kidding. He's not actually fat, but you miss weight that many times. I look. I if you miss weight that many times, especially across multiple weight classes, it's just your title now. It's not a body shaming thing. It is a it is a title you have earned. You've unlocked the achievement. Unreliable. T- new title fat. Again, not actually fat. I mean, Ray Borg's in better, like, body body index mass uh, ratio shape than I am. Like, the man's not fat, but you contract a fight at a specific weight, you fail to make that weight that many times across two weight classes, you're fat. Yeah, that that's just the title you have earned now, sir. Uh, kicking off the main card, Lando Venata defeated Yancey Medeiros via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Kind of a snooze fest of a fight, actually. Uh, which was a little surprising. Both guys are in uh, traditionally in very watchable fights. Uh, just made for an odd combination this time. Uh, I scored it for Venata. Uh, uninspired fight. As for the prelims, Daniel Rodriguez defeated Tim Means via guillotine choke, two thir- excuse me, 337 of the second round. Means was having a pretty good first round. Uh, Rodriguez's jab was giving him some problems, but he was dealing with it. He was landing some leg kicks, able to kind of find angles here and there, get into the pocket. And then right at the end of the round, perfectly legal blow, by the way, Rodriguez clobbers him with a left, and he drops. That bell saved Tim Means. If that fight has three more seconds, 
this is over. Absolutely over. Uh, but Means kind of gets back to his stool, comes out for the second, and at this point, Rodriguez, between his jab, which is still very good, and his left, which was finding the target, he is just able to kind of keep wearing down and grinding through Means' defense and will to continue fighting. Means gets hurt again, tries a desperation double leg. Rodriguez with a... This was like a, this wasn't uh, a straight guillotine choke in the traditional sense. This was a, like a power guillotine or the ninja choke. I don't know. People call it different things. But, you know, a normal guillotine, you've kind of got the forearm acro- uh, or a little bit of the crook of the arm around the around the carotid arteries. Uh, this was deep. This was, I think, like you've, you've maybe seen it described as, you know, the rear naked choke grip from the front. Like, that arm is all the way around. That is your Adam's apple into the crook of the elbow and the forearm and the biceps on either side compressing. Uh, it's a very powerful choke. You don't see it often because it's hard to really get. But when you get that thing, it is a nightmare. Hold, it is a nightmare. He gets that. Uh, means has to tap. Heck of a debut from Rodriguez. John Donson defeated Nathaniel Wood via TKO 16 seconds of the third round. Uh, Wood had a fair bit of success here, but what led to his undoing was he kept coming in on some straight lines as the fight wore on. Dodson got a bit of a read on it. And then, this is another thing that kind of surprised me about this fight. John Dodson doesn't really do much with his right hand. Anything he does with it is not really damaging. Like, he'll throw it to the body on a... It's not there to do much but set up his left. And in this exchange, as Wood comes forward, you can see Wood fire, like, left, right, left, you know, the the kind of traditional back-and-forth blitz attack. Dodson steps back and goes left, left, left. And one of them just catches Wood on the jaw as he's coming in. Dodson is is extraordinarily dominant with his left hand, by by which I mean that's what he throws. That's his weapon. He's got a decent kicking game, and his right hand is kind of, it kind of exists, but you really don't, he's not demonstrated a lot of ability to cause problems with it. You're only worried about his left. So, when you're, again, when one person is going back and forth, left to right to left to right, and the other guy goes, it will double up on a side, or triple up in this case, there's a lot of, like, built-in assumptions about your defense that, kind of assume your opponent is also in alternating offense. So when they double up on one side, it can be very, very effective. This That's how this played out from a functional standpoint. Uh, tough setback for Wood, who also got cut via an unintentional headbutt. Uh, hopefully he can rebound. Uh, this was John Dodson's first finish since he fought Manny Gamburian, I think, so like four years ago. Confirm that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 2016, April of 16, so a little under four years ago, he defeats Gamburian via TKO. Then it was a lot of decisions. I mean, Dodson is also... If there's one thing you want to say in Dodson's favor, John Dodson has never been finished in his entire career. All of his losses are decision. And when you're fighting guys like T.J. Dillashaw, Demetrius Johnson twice, 
John Lineker, Marlon Moraes, Peter Yawn. Like, those guys are finishers, and they couldn't get John Dodson out of there. That man is tough to finish. So, you know, credit to him. Uh, I don't know where he actually stands at bantamweight. I don't think he's making a run or anything. But he needed the win, and he got it. So, kudos. Scott Holtzman defeated Jim Miller via unanimous decision, 30-27 and then 229-28. I was 29-28 for Holtzman. Miller had a good first round, but couldn't really sustain it, and he just didn't have the power to kind of keep Holtzman from pressing into him constantly. And Holtzman got a pretty good read on a pullback counter right. He'd get Miller to overextend with his left, slide just a little bit back, and then uh, the power hand right comes in, pop. It's the same kind of thing Conor McGregor does. You 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 uh, you poke at somebody either with you know kicks or feints or whatnot. You get them to overextend on a counter. You slide back just a hair, come back in with your power hand, especially if you're opposite stance, and you can do some damage. And that and Holtzman did damage here. Uh, sucks. I always root for Jim Miller, but at this point in his career, you know, this was kind of a, a this. He was always uh, going to be up against it here. These two might be about the same age, but Miller has a lot more miles on him. Uh, Devin Clark defeated Daquan Townsend via unanimous decision, thirty twenty-seven and two thirty twenty-sixes. This fight sucked. Uh, Townsend landed, like, I think, four strikes over the entire fight. Uh, not a good fight. Marab Dwalich really defeated Casey Kenny via unanimous decision. 30-27, 30-25, and 29-28. 30-25 is, uh, not accurate. Even if you wanted to give Dwalich really a 10 at, I think, third, which is the one you could maybe make the argument for, the first and second rounds were competitive enough to warrant, again, 10 nines. You could make an argument for Kenny winning the first. I didn't see it that way, but that case exists. Uh, Dwalis really is just a machine, man. That man does not really get tired. He's very, very hittable. His striking is sloppy. But if he thinks he can take you down, if you cannot kind of nullify his grappling one way or the other, he is all over you and will just wear you out. I saw some people were like, eh, that the only reason the man has losses in the UFC were uh, robberies, which is not true. You could argue he won the science fight. I didn't think he did. And there's some people claiming that, you know, he should have won the Ricky Simone fight because he was still, because he, he didn't tap before the end of the fight. Uh, people saying that are somewhat ignorant of the rules. If you're unconscious when the fight ends, you lose via technical submission. That's been the rule forever. I mean, I think like one of Chuck Liddell's first losses came from that. Jeremy Horn caught him in an arm triangle from the bottom. Choked him completely unconscious. But the fight wasn't waved off. Either the ref didn't know or there was a short enough time that it didn't really come up. Uh, The fight, it was like the last round, I think. The round structure was a little different back then. Uh, Round ends, and... Horn releases the choke because round's over. The referee goes the round of the fight. The referee checks on Chuck. He's unconscious. That's a loss. That's always been the rule. Dwalis really was unconscious at the end of that fight. He lost. 
He's won three in a row since, you know. And fair play to him. He earned all of those. Uh, Macy Chasson defeated Shanna Young via unanimous decision, 30-26 across the boards. Uh, Young took this fight on short notice and had moments in the first. Uh, uh, Chasson did not like how this was going at distance, so she pushed into a clinch and proceeded to just kind of maul Young with knees and elbows and work from top position. Uh, Good rebound for Chasson after the setback to Lena Landsberg. And kicking everything off, Howley and Paiva defeated Mark De La Rosa via knockout. 442 of the second round. Decent little scrap here. Paiva had a rough go in his first two fights. Uh, he lost the first one legitimately, but it was a really competitive fight. Then he was winning his second fight up until he got hit with a knee that badly cut open his his eyebrow. I forget which one. And, the, I mean, that cut was nasty. That had to be stopped. Sucks for him. He was winning that fight, but it's part of the game. So, him getting on track, uh, good for him. So, I mentioned before that we had history from this card. We had two bits of history. One, Mark and Montana De La Rosa became the first husband and wife combination in UFC history to fight on the same card. And second, this was the first time in UFC history we had more than one disqualification on the same event. We're also only in, I believe now, officially the third year for the UFC that has had at least, that has had two disqualifications for the entire year. And it's only February, man. Uh, We might set that record this year. Let's get some more DQs. So, uh, yeah, this was, if you're, if you, you know, got to avoid all of this and just want to know, hey, what's worth going back to look at? Blahovich and Anderson uh, was a pretty good, for as long as it lasted, and a good finish. Uh, Donson and Wood is not a bad fight. Holtzman and Miller was your fight of the night, technically, and is not a bad fight either. Uh, beyond that, there's not a whole lot here. Um, again, not a great card. So thank you to everyone who read my live coverage or my report in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. Always appreciate it. I know this was, again, not a great card, not a lot of interest, but... Thank you very much for leaving some comment if you chose to do so anyway. I always appreciate you guys letting me know I am not alone. (laughs) Because, boy, it feels like it sometimes. Uh, Okay, that will take care of UFC on ESPN Plus 25 next week. UFC on ESPN Plus 26. Jeez, I can count. Uh, the, The UFC is back in Auckland in New Zealand. Oh, sorry, a few other notes on... Uh, this last event. Small attendance. I think they were in a smaller center. The, they only had like 6,500 in attendance. 6,449. Only a total gate of 596,000. Uh, again, smaller market. They were in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, just outside of Albuquerque. Uh, never going to be a giant card. But that's still pretty light. Anyway. This will be in Auckland for uh, this upcoming event. And this event has a couple of... There's there's some dead weight here. There's some real dead weight, actually. But the main event is a great fight. Uh, top contender, top contenders at lightweight, Paul Felder and Dan Hooker. Uh, I really love this fight. These are two exciting fighters. Two guys who can fight anywhere, but prefer to bang, to strike on the feet. 
it's uh, it's a really hard fight to get your head around in some respects. Um, Felder, while he is a very capable fighter, I thought he lost his last fight because I believe his last one was the uh, the fight with Barboza. No, it was the James Vick fight, which he won. No, it was the Barboza fight. Yeah, because I thought he lost that fight. Uh, Paul Felder has this habit of taking fights that should probably be easier than they are and making them difficult. He absolutely did that with Vic. He did that with Barboza. Neither of those guys like forward pressure, and he was very accommodating of their styles. Uh, Dan Hooker, bit of contrast. Uh, Hooker's only loss in the U. His only loss at lightweight in the UFC is to Edson Barboza. That was a brutal fight. But at lightweight in the UFC, he's two, three, four. He is six and one. Uh, all but one of those are finishes. He went the distance with Ally Aquinta in his last fight, but also clearly won that fight. Uh, Hooker's a very analytical fighter in the cage. He's a thinking man's fighter. He likes to find openings, and he's good about finding them. Uh, his defense is a little bit suspect, but again, I Felder could capitalize on that, but... Felder's propensity in his performances is, again, it's a little bit odd because there's, in some cases, very clear paths to either victory or just making the fight easier than it is. And he doesn't go down them for whatever reason. Uh, I love this fight. It's a really good fight. I'm leaning towards Hooker. I've been a believer in Hooker for a while. And I, I think Barboza is just a terrible stylistic matchup for him. I'm not so sure that Felder presents those same kinds of challenges that Barboza does. Uh, so, and I expect a really good fight. I'm leaning towards Hooker, but uh, either man can win this. And, again, on paper, that's a great fight. Please don't let anything happen to that fight. This card can't sustain itself if it loses that fight. Okay, um, as for the rest of this card... Your co-main event, as it currently stands, is Jimmy Crute and Mikhail Oleksajuk. You know, for light heavyweight prospects, that's not actually a terrible fight. Uh, Jimmy Crute had a undefeated up until he fought Misha Sirkinov in his last fight. A uh, lot of upside in Jimmy Crute. He's a you know, he's got a fair bit of upside to him. See how he uh, see how he rebounds from that loss. And Oleg Sejuk, kind of similar, uh, coming off of that loss to Ovin St. Prue. But, you know, prior to that, hadn't lost in the UFC. So, for a battle of light heavyweight prospects, not the worst. I'm going to lean towards Crute there, but that's going to come down to who's, you know, made the who's made greater improvements to their game since their last fight more than anything else. There's a heavyweight fight, because of course there is. Uh, you have the combat wombat, Ben Sisoli, who came away with a no contest against Greg Hardy because Greg Hardy cheated or broke the rules and used an inhaler between rounds two and three. We'll fight Marcos Rogerio de Lima whose last uh, outing was 
over about a year ago. It'll be a, it'll be a, I think exactly a year, depending on which side of the international dateline you're on, when he was submitted by Stefan Struve. <laughs> what are we doing with that fight? Oh, I don't care. Uh, at women's strawweight, Karolina Kovalkiewicz will be fighting Jan Shaunan. Uh, Kovalkiewicz on a three-fight losing streak with losses to Jessica Andrade, which she got knocked out, uh, Michelle Watterson, and Alexa Grosso. Shaunan, actually... Yeah, Jan, okay, so Jan, that is her family name. Hasn't lost yet in the UFC, actually. Coming off a win over Angela Hill. Uh, probably going to go with Jan, actually, for that fight. Uh, Kovalkiewicz seems to be uh, plateauing, at, uh, to put it kindly. A lightweight bout between Magomed Mustafaev and Brad Riddell. Uh, let's see. Mustafaev has fought a few times in the UFC, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this guy. It uh, took me a minute to remember him specifically. His only loss in the UFC is to Kevin Lee. Uh, he has wins over Piotr Hallman. Jo okay. He had some injury issues or something, didn't he? Yeah, he was off for a long time. Uh, from the loss to Lee until he returned against uh, Rafael Fiziev in April of 19. He was off for, yeah, about, not quite three years, but about that long time. Uh, I feel pretty confident picking him here. Uh, Riddell had a, his fight, his UFC debut was a knockdown, dragout, uh, kind of brawl fight. So this one, some people might sleep on this one, but... That's got some potential. I'm still going with Mustafaev. At featherweight, Kevin Aguilar will fight Zubarda to Hugov. Didn't Aguilar lose his last fight? Yeah, to Dan Ige, who's been coming on strong lately. Uh, Aguilar's a really good fighter. To Hugov uh, fought to a split draw with Lerone Murphy. Uh, that was on 242. Had a tough fight with Hanato Moicano before that that he... You could, he he could have won that fight. It was a split decision. Um, I'm actually going to go with Aguilar there. Uh, not a knock on to Hugov, but... Yeah, I'm leaning towards Aguilar there. Okay, then the prelims. Jake Matthews will fight Emil Weber-Mech. Uh, probably a Matthews fight. I mean, Mech is certainly no one to take lightly. But he's lost his last two fights and hasn't fought since he lost to Bartosz Fabinski in July of 2018. No idea what kept him out that long. So I'm going to go with Matthews there. I'm at welterweight, Callan Potter will fight Song Kanan. I'm actually going to go with uh, Kanan there. Or rather, uh, rather, sorry, Song is his family name. It, South, there's a South Korean fighter with a similar name who I confuse, and I think more in South Korea you actually have uh, I think more of the Western kind of you know uh, individual name and then family name rather than the reverse. I might be wrong about that. I could very well be incorrect. 
But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Song Kanan. Uh, then we have at flyweight Kai Kauta France and Tyson Nam. This fight should be on the main card. It's stuff like this that I occasionally will bring up when I say that the UFC is not interested in flyweight as a division. Uh, you have Kai Kauta France, legitimate prospect for the division, just suffered his first setback in the UFC against Brandon Moreno in a fight night in his home country, and he can't get on the main card. But please, tell me again about how Dieves and Figueredo and Joseph Benavides are going to reignite this division. Don't they have less than 15 flyweights again? Yeah, the UFC, uh, once again, has less than 15 flyweights uh, to rank. I mean, Holly and Paiva, coming into last night's event, was ranked 14th in the in the UFC and hadn't won a UFC fight. But no, but please, please, tell me again about how much the UFC cares about flyweight. Ugh. Uh, anyway, Tyson Nam, veteran, been around for a long time, fought in Bellator, uh, fought in World Series of Fighting. So he didn't fight in Bellator. He uh, defeated the current Bellator champion, uh, Eduardo Dantas. Uh, he lost his UFC debut last year when he fought Sergio Pettis, who is now in Bellator, and fighting Cans. Um, I'm going to go with Car France here. Uh, Nam seems a little bit on the other side of the hill. Uh, welterweight Maki Pitolo will fight Takeshi Sato. Probably going with Sato there. Um, Priscilla Cachuea will fight Shayna Dobson. Okay, the UFC... I was going to save this for a little bit later. I'll just kind of dovetail it in here. The UFC did some house cleaning over the last week or so. They released something like eight fighters. Uh, no one who would surprise you to see let go. You know, Junior Albini, Ben Saunders, uh, you know, a lot of the guys who are like... I mean, Saunders is just over the hill. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys who are like 1-3, 0-2, stuff like that. Uh, somehow, Priscilla Cachuea escaped that round of cuts, despite the fact that she is 0-2 in the UFC, or is she 0-3 at this point? She's 0-3 in the UFC, and has failed a drug test. And is terrible. She's still around. Ugh. Uh, I'm pulling for... I can't pick... I cannot pick Priscilla Cachuea to win a fight. I just can't do it. Uh, also, we will have Loma Lukbunmi versus Angela Hill. Hill stepping in on somewhat short notice. Um, okay, Cachuea took this fight on short notice, replacing Rachel Ostovich. Uh, yeah, Hill replacing Hannah Goldie. I still favor Lukbunmi over Hill. Um, they're both strikers primarily, but... Look, Bunmi is a much better striker <laughs> uh, than Angela Hill. So if Hill's smart, she'll mix things up with takedowns, force Look, Bunmi into, you know, more grappling-heavy exchanges. The longer this stays on the feet or in the clinch, especially like the tie-style clinch, uh, the more I favor Look, Bunmi. And Jalen Turner was supposed to fight somebody else. Instead, he is now fighting Joshua 
uh, Quilabo? Uh, seems like a kind of get well fight for Turner. Uh, Turner had a rough first UFC fight when he <laughs> stepped in up at welterweight to fight Vicente Luque on short notice. Like that, you take that fight on short notice, buddy. You got some stones on you. Uh, he rebounded, beat Callan Potter, had a tough fight with Matt Frivola. Um, yeah, I'll go with Turner there against a short-notice opponent who I think has not fought in the UFC before. At least I don't recognize the name. Uh, let me see. How, let me see if I'm wrong. I've been known to be wrong about stuff like this. Okay, Kulabo is, or Kulibao, C-U-L-I-B-A-O, Kulabao, going with that until I hear otherwise. He's 8-0, yeah, this is his UFC debut, so I'll go with Turner. Uh, yeah, that is the card on paper. Oh, uh, yeah, for the record, very briefly, the guys released by the UFC over the last little bit. Uh, Junior Albini, 1-4 and four in the UFC, Nathan Coy who, oh, I remember, uh, he went one and two. I remember, I know I've seen his fights, but I can't remember them. Brandon Davis, a little bit of a surprise, but he's only two and five in the UFC. Kalindra Ferreira uh, was 0 and three. Grigori Popov, that's kind of a, that's kind of a shame. He had some good fights despite being 0 and two. Ben Saunders, who, you know, just veteran, but over the hill. Jinsu Sun, 0 and two. Crazy fights, but. Uh, you got to win at some point. And Daniel Spitz, who was 1-3. But, hey, Priscilla Cachuea, failed drug test, 0-3. Uh, still hanging around the promotion. Um, I'll be covering that event this coming Saturday. I think it's going on right about, I don't know how the timing will work out, but the same day as the rematch between... Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. So if you're a boxing fan, uh, Fury Wilder too should be some should be an interesting fight. Yeah, much as much as Tyson Fury got screwed by the judges in that first one, and boy did he! The fact that that was a draw was ridiculous. Fury won that fight. Uh, this this one's got a little different feel to it. I don't know. I've seen people talking about that. How you know this one feels more like. Uh, you know, Wilder seems to be a little bit more dialed in than Fury is. So we'll see. I mean, if you're not, if you're Fury and you're not dialed in or peaking, stepping in there with Wilder's, uh, that's one of the last guys you want to be in the ca in the ring with if you're not really on point. Because, I mean, even if you are on point, he's knocked everybody else out, more or less. So anyway, I'll have coverage of the UFC event this Saturday. Please stop by, say hello. I always appreciate you guys, you know, and your continued support. It means a lot to me that you continue to do so. Thank you very much. All right, uh, let's see, what do we have for news? Okay, weird story here, but uh, BJ Penn was involved in, a, in an accident in, I think they were in Hilo, Hawaii. Uh, this was initially reported as... BJ's truck having flipped, uh, a rollover kind of thing, and that he was being investigated for DUI. 
since then, that's uh, the severity of the accident does not seem to have been. It, I think his manager, some some people around him, like posted photos of his truck after the event. Uh, that does not look like it rolled. It looks like there was and now. I know some people like have been talking about maybe it was just a blowout and he lost control and then slammed into an embankment. Possible, possible that he lost control, slammed into an embankment, and that's what caused his tire to fail. Uh, it, it does not look like the car rolled. There probably is an investigation going into whether or not he was impaired, as there should be. Uh, but... Look, BJ Penn should... I mean, I remember I got some grief for saying he shouldn't be fighting at all anymore, much less in the UFC. Uh, this is not... Even if this was not as bad as it first appeared... BJ's in a spot where he needs, like, help. <laughs> in a real way. And it's... It's un- anyone who's in a position to, you know, offer him that kind of help should be doing so. We are we are not that far removed from a tragedy here, guys. Like if you've seen if you've been around combat sports, you've studied them, this is a downward trend for a fighter, and you've seen plenty of other fighters have very similar downward trends. Like we all know how this story ends or most likely how it ends, if there's not something that impacts it in a meaningful way. So, hopefully something changes, because on this trajectory, uh, we're going to be dealing with something very, very ugly sooner rather than later. And I really don't want to deal... And I I don't wish that on almost anyone. Uh, Okay, let's see what else. Um, Fabricio Verdum is back in the UFC. He will be fighting Alexi Olenek in his return to the promotion at UFC 250. This is, uh, the UFC will be in Brazil for that card. So, there's that. Um, the UFC announced a few other dates. Uh, they announced their return to Dublin. Sorry, was it their return to Dublin, or am I confusing that with... Yeah, they'll be back in Dublin in August of 2020. No card yet, but date and venue. Uh... Not a lot else has really kind of come out lately. There's still some events we're waiting to see fleshed out. So, yeah. Uh, we're probably waiting for, like, 248 for our next batch of announcements for, you know, big fights and whatnot, because you have Felder versus Hooker coming up on the 23rd, and then uh, Benavides and Figueredo on the 29th for the vacant flyweight title. And that card, boy, that is not a good card. Holy crap, I'm looking at it now. Uh, you have Benavidez and Figueredo for the vacant belt, which is a good fight. Uh, I mean, Benavidez is going to win, and Benavidez can finally get his UFC title. It only took the UFC gutting the division and both Joseph Benav- both uh, Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson leaving. DJ the entire promotion and Cejudo the division. But the rest of that card, good grief, is a women's featherweight fight for no good reason. Uh, there's two women's featherweight fights. Felicia Spencer fights someone. Uh, Megan Anderson fights someone. Um, boy, that is a 
That is an ugly card. Holy crap. Like, I know the UFC, a few weeks, it was like, yeah, we're kicking off, you know, eight weeks in a row of of UFC events. Most of them are not good. Um, so, yeah, Felder and Hooker again. Great main event. Little loose of the rest of the card. Benavides and Figueredo is a one-fight event. I don't know. There is no other way to put that. I can't really find anything else on this card I can get excited about. Uh, maybe Ismail Nerudiev fighting again? Maybe? Um, okay, Iwan Kutalaba and Magomed Ankalaev is probably going to be crazy, but that doesn't mean good. Yeah, that's it, man. That is a... Oof. You could take that card and take it to one of those, like, ugliest dog competitions and probably win. That is ugly. Uh, and then all that leads into 240, to UFC 248, Adesanya versus Romero. Now, that's a good card. <laughs> you have two title fights, both of which are great. Uh, Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian's a really good fight. Neil Magny and Li Jing Leong is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Sean O'Malley and uh, Quinones is a good fight. Rodolfo Vieja's back. Benil Dariush is fighting Drakkar Close. Like, they took eight, we- <laughs> eight, fi- uh, eight weeks of fights in a row. Well, what are the good ones? Well, we took all the good fighters and we stuck them onto this card. I mean, that's a pay-per-view, so I get it, but that's a good card. Duran Wynn is fighting on that card. They stacked that thing. Good grief. Uh, then the week after that, there's Lee versus Oliveira. Which is... Uh... Okay, that one's got some... That one's got some potential. You have Lee and Oliveira. Great fight. Damian Maya and Gilbert Burns is a really good, is a really good fight. Um... Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos and Alexei Konchenko is a pretty solid fight. Waikano and Hadzovic is good. Uh, so that one's got some de- that one's got some pretty decent fights. Nothing I'm jumping up and down about, but that's some solid. There's some solid fights there. Again, Lee and Oliveira. Okay, so apart from the main event. Then after that is Woodley and Edwards. Uh, that yeah. That's not a great card on paper. Oh, Nicholas Dalby's back in the UFC. Hang on, did he... He already made his return to the UFC, right? Yeah, against Alex Oliveira. Dalby and Danny Roberts isn't awful. Paul Craig and Ryan Spann probably will be. Molly McCann and Ashley Evan Smith will be just terrible. John Phillips is still in the UFC for some reason. Yeah, then we're back to, like, the dregs. <laughs> That that eight that eight weeks in a row that started with I think uh, I think I think sorry not two forty six I think Jones versus Reyes because then we have two forty seven this one so one two three four five six seven yeah that culminates with Nganu versus Rosenstroke which is. That's an iffy one. That's a really iffy card. I mean, Nganu and Rosenstrike, big heavyweights, 
both good strikers, actually. Uh, Austin Sow and Garbrandt as your co-main event is a that's a that's a really big fight for Cody Garbrandt, man. He's got to win. Matt Brown's fighting. For some reason, Greg Hardy is fighting Jorgen De Castro. Um, Greg Hardy. You know, I I saw some I saw a brief exchange on Twitter, uh, that you know could with with Greg Hardy in the UFC, can we kind of stop with the notion that the kind of the kind of athlete that goes into say the NFL could just transition to MMA and you know be really good. You know, the appropriate response to that is you know Greg Hardy might be a bit weird and his fights might have been may have been you know just a comedy of errors but he's fighting and winning in the UFC he didn't put the Greg Hardy experiment has not dissuaded that hypothesis believe it or not you kind of confirmed you have confirmed parts of it I mean Hardy's only loss in the UFC was that uh, okay, he lost to Volkov. Yeah, he took the Volkov fight on somewhat short notice. But, yeah, other than that, he had the DQ for the illegal knee. Like, the fact that he's been in the UFC and has been winning in the UFC doesn't, like, put to bed the notion that, you know, a, an NFL-style athlete could come over to MMA and have a good career. He's kind of confirming that just a little bit. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a big fan of his fights. They tend to be terrible, but I'm not going to deny reality. So anyway, uh, I think that's going to wrap us up here. Let me go ahead and have one more look at Twitter. Yep, doesn't look like anything new has broken, so let me think about what I have for plugs here. I can do a few for Jeff, whose review of Sonic the Hedgehog was finally dropped, so give that a read. If you're interested, you know, Jeff's, uh, I think he very recently had an interview with former UFC fighter and current MLW wrestler Filthy Tom Lawler that you can find on the 411 uh, Interviews podcast. Uh, as for myself, uh, Mark kind of shanghaied me into doing some boxing coverage recently over on the Rattletch and Broadcasting Network. Uh, we will be recording... Uh, I think in the near future we'll be recording a source material for the lock and the first volume of Lock and Key, the graphic novel. So be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, this Thursday, special Thursday edition of Damn You Hollywood, Mark and I will be reviewing Sonic the Hedgehog. I think Alexis will be joining us. I th- we wanted to talk about this because I think there's an interesting dis- discussion to be had around the production of this movie more than anything else. So. I have not seen it yet, but will shortly. And you can tune in for my thoughts on Damn You Hollywood. And then, of course, Saturday, UFC on ESPN Plus 26. Uh, The Hangman fights the Irish Dragon. Until next time, we'll... Okay, so next week, let me double check. We'll be back here to review that and to preview that Benavidez versus Figueredo card. So tune in for that. I hope to see you all back here. Until next time, thank you all again so very much for being here. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.